So the title of the message today is the, the Trinity of God. We're going to look at the, the nature of who God is. How do you explain God? The Bible says that there's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. There's three in one. One God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. How would you explain that to someone? And by believing that and knowing that about God's nature, how would that affect your life? How would that affect your faith? Right? When you pray at night, when you think about God, what kind of a God do you think of? What kind of God are you praying to? Do you even believe in God? These are questions that every person at some point, I believe, um, contemplates in their mind and begins to formulate their own theory. And some people come to a conclusion there is no God. Or some people claim, yeah, there is a God, but he doesn't want to know me personally. And so for us as Christians, we claim to have a truth based on the Bible that not only is there a God, not only does he know who we are, but we, he wants to know us personally, individually as, as people. Everything you're going through, every, every thought that you have, every emotion you have, every struggle, that God wants to be there for you through everything. And if you have a Christian, if you're not a Christian and you know Christians, we're always praying, we're always reading our Bibles, we're always going to church. There's something that has changed our life. And a few weeks ago, Pastor Richard gave a message and he talked about um, him and his family had gone to the East Coast and they came, they visited some churches over there that were just on fire for the Lord. And, and he really came back on fire. We, I kind of joked with Pastor Richard. I said, um, okay, Pastor, um, we're going to send you and your family to the East Coast once a month. Because uh, you come back all fired up. <laughs> and uh, he came back all fired up and he said, we just want more, man. I want more of God. I want more of the Holy Spirit. I want more of him in my life. And I would ask a question for you today. Because you might say, I know God. I'm a Christian. I grew up in church. I have a relationship. Okay. And that may be true or it may not be. But I have a question for you. Do you have peace? Do you have the peace of God in your life? Can you say that today honestly, just between you and God? Do you have his peace? So as we look at these scriptures today, we hope to know more of God. And by knowing more of God, we will trust him more. We will obey him more. Look at a, let's look at a verse for our theme today. And then we're going to look at a lot of different scriptures. Turn to John chapter 14. This is our theme verse for the day. This is what I believe the Lord put on my mind and my heart to communicate to you that God desires for you as we go through this message. In John chapter 14, verse 21, Jesus is speaking here, and Jesus says these words. He says, He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Okay, so number one, Jesus is promising to reveal himself to you. How? If you have his commandments, if you keep them, this is the proof that you love Jesus. Now look at verse 22, uh, 23. Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. 
and my father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. What a great promise that is. Jesus is offering this to us today. He's offering that him and the father will come and make his, their home with us for those who love him, for those who obey him. So we're going to look at a few questions today regarding the Trinity of God. And the first question we're going to look at is, by what power was Jesus raised from the dead? By what power was Jesus raised from the dead? So turn in your Bibles to the Old Testament, Isaiah chapter... I'm sorry. Turn to Acts chapter 2. And as you're turning there, I'm going to read my notes here. At this particular time in the book of Acts, Jesus had died on the cross. He rose from the dead. And before he goes up into heaven, Jesus tells the disciples and his followers not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the Holy Spirit to be given them. Okay, so in Acts chapter 1, look at chapter 1 and go to verse 8. We see this verse, Jesus says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So Jesus tells them to wait in Jerusalem, to wait for the power of the Holy Spirit, and to pray. And so that's a good formula for us today. If you're struggling with something, you're, you're confused about something, you've been waiting, Jesus says to, to pray and to wait. To pray and to wait. That's what these first believers did. And as they prayed and waited, in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit fell on them. They began to speak in tongues. Some that were there who knew the languages they were speaking heard them speaking the wonderful works of God. Others that were there thought they were drunk. And so Peter stands up, and in chapter 2, verse 22 of the book of Acts, listen to what Peter tells them. This first Christian sermon, basically. He says, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know. So Peter's basically telling him, hey, look, guys, he's telling this crowd, hey, don't play dumb. You guys know Jesus did miracles. You saw the miracles. And if you didn't see them, your friends were there, and they told you about them. He did signs and wonders. He proved that he was more than just a man. And today, Jesus is still proving that. He's still proving that he is God. And then he continues in verse 23 and says, Him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified, and put to death. So now he drops the bomb on them. He tells them, you guys, you're Jewish. You were waiting for the Messiah. You were waiting for the Savior. He finally came, and what did you do? You turned on him, you had him crucified, you had him killed. And now their eyes are beginning to open. And then he continues in verse 24 and says, Whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. So, first of all, praise God that Jesus has the power over death. We don't have to be afraid as Christians to die. We don't know when that day will come. This, this year for me has been 
probably the most difficult year of my life. Uh, my mom died. My mom went to be with the Lord a few months ago. We had the service here. Many of you were there. Um, I had a really close friend of mine that passed away from cancer, um, left behind a wife and, and four boys, um, two in high school, one in junior high, one in college. And talk about, we were talking about the discussion of more. I met him at a home Bible study. I was teaching a home Bible study, and he brought his wife. And his name was Gus, and I said, uh, I got to meet him. And I said, why did you guys come here? He goes, man, I, he says, I just want more. I want more of God. I'm bringing my family, my kids to this home Bible study. And we became almost like best friends. We had so many things in common. Um, we both loved the Lord, and we both had a family. Our kids are about the same age. Um, that's what's neat about these home fellowships is you get to meet people. And he became one of my best friends. We both were huge Dodger fans and Laker fans, and we both grew up in the 80s. And, and we both wanted more of what God had for us. We, we felt like God was calling us into to do a work. And, um, and he served the Lord faithfully for many years, and he went home to be with the Lord. And so we know that because Jesus conquered death, we don't have to be afraid. So the question was, who raised Jesus from the dead? Well, Peter tells us here in verse 24 that God raised Jesus from the dead. So let's get into this issue now of the Trinity. So turn now to John chapter 2. In John chapter 2, here Jesus walks into the temple. And when he walks into the temple... He sees something he doesn't like. There are these lines of people, and it's the poor people. They're being forced to buy these animals for their sacrifice of their sins. Jesus had not died yet for their sins. In the Old Testament, if you wanted your sins, you couldn't have your sins forgiven. You could have your sins covered. So you would have to get a lamb or an animal, or if you were poor, you'd get a bird without spot or blemish. And you would sacrifice that animal, and that sacrifice, the blood that was shed from that animal, would cover your sins temporarily. So the people would come to church. Um, there was the Passover. They were celebrating in the temple. There was one huge temple in Jerusalem, and they would buy these animals. Well, the people selling them, they, they jacked up the price. And then they had to change their money from the, their Jewish coins to the temple coins. So people were making a lot of money off this, and Jesus came in, and he got upset. And the Bible tells us here in um, John chapter 2, verse 15, when he had made a whip of cords, he drove them out from the temple with the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers' money and overturned the tables. And he said to those who sold doves, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of merchandise. So Jesus literally cleans house, right? He is scolding the religious leaders of those days. And, you know, when I read the scriptures, too, this is a word of warning for, for me. It's a word of warning for leaders, for people that are leaders in the church, that we have to represent Christ. We have to represent God. Moses misrepresented God to the people one time. And God said, because you misrepresented me uh, to the people, Moses, God told them, did people think I'm angry at them? I'm not angry at them, Moses, but you were angry at them. And he said, because of that, you will not enter the promised land. And so as teachers and as leaders, we have to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Here, Jesus takes up issue with them. 
But notice what Jesus' response here in verse 19. He says, And Jesus answered and said to them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. So they came to Jesus and they said, Hey, by what authority do you have to come into this church, to our temple? We're making money here. We're doing business. And you just messed everything up. What authority do you have to do this? And what does Jesus say? I love what his response is. He doesn't really answer them the way they think he should. And he says, destroy this temple in three days. I will rebuild it. Now, they're probably thinking, he said, I will destroy this building and I'll rebuild it in three days. And they would have thought, this guy's crazy. But what Jesus was referring to was what? Destroy this temple. And in three days, I will raise it again. He was speaking of the resurrection, the death on the cross. In three days, I will raise it from the dead. So remember, the original question was, who raised Jesus from the dead? Well, we learned in Acts chapter 2, God raised Jesus from the dead. But we learn here in John chapter 2, Jesus says, I will raise myself from the dead. So is there a contradiction? Well, if you don't believe in the Trinity, then there is a contradiction. Was it God or was it Jesus? There's another question, we're gonna, another verse we're going to look at to help explain this. I did want to mention, in terms of the church leadership, um, there was a, a pastor that I heard speak, and he's gone to be with the Lord. He was an assistant pastor, and he was used by God in an amazing way, and he had these amazing stories, and, and he described this time. He was kind of transparent about himself. He was at church. He was locking up the doors. He was leaving, and a woman had come up to the church and wanted prayer. Well, he said I, he just wanted to get home. It was a long day. And he said, uh, trust God, you'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. And she goes, well, I just need some prayer. I'm going through some things with my family right now. And, uh, and he said, well, like I said, you'll be fine. Trust God. And he, wa- and he left. So the next day he was saying, the phone rang. He answered it. And she says, you know, I was there the other day. I came in for some prayer. And I'm a little concerned. I was, I'm, I've been struggling um, with my family and my children and she says, I wasn't, really, I wasn't asking for anything. And then she said, well, did I speak to you? And he said, yeah, you spoke to me. And she says, well, are you a pastor? And he said, I'm a pastor. And then he said she began to cry on the phone. And she said, you know, can I pray for you? Yeah, and he said he felt so small at that moment. And he said that she said the most beautiful prayer for him. And here Jesus is dealing with these religious leaders. And it's just a good reminder for me and for us that um, we are to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And it's a good example of what this lady did. If there's someone in ministry or somebody in a position of, of leadership that seems short or seems rude, this lady, the story I just told you, that's an example that we can follow to pray, pray for your leaders, pray for your pastors, pray for those in ministry. And so Jesus here deals with them by telling them a different truth of who he is. I will destroy this temple and I will raise it in three days. Now, let's look at another scripture in the book of Romans chapter 8. In Romans chapter 8, verse 11 says, let's read verse 10 first, and we'll go to verse 11. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead, 
because of sin. But the Spirit is life because of righteousness. Verse 11. But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. So who raised Jesus from the dead according to this verse? The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. So who raised Jesus from the dead? God did in Acts chapter 2. Jesus said he did in John chapter 2. And now we see the Holy Spirit raised Jesus from the dead. These are good truths for us to know as Christians. Sometimes you'll have people, I've had them, they come to your door and they knock. And many of those people that come to your door and knock, they don't believe in the Trinity. They don't believe in God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Now, there are many problems within the church today. And in, for example, in the book of 1 John, there's, um, John says, I write these things to you in the book of 1 John that you might have joy. Because one of the main major things in the church is, and in the world, actually, is depression. A lot of people are depressed. And John says, I write these things to you that you may have joy. John also says, I write these things to you that you may not be deceived. Why is that an issue in the world today? Many Christians don't know their Bible. And so you can get off. A lot of these churches that come to your door, um, they look for Christians, weak Christians, who either go to Christian church or Catholic church, and they invite them to their church and teach them the scriptures. And so if you don't know your word, then you could possibly be deceived. And so that's why we learn these scriptures. That's why we, know, we want to know the doctrines of God, the doctrines that are in the Bible. So let's look at question number two. Who is the first and the last? That's the question. Who is the first and last? So turn to Isaiah chapter 44. Isaiah chapter 44, we're going to look at verse 6. And it says, Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts. Here he says, I am the first and I am the last. And beside me there is no God. Read that again. Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts. I am the first and I am the last. Besides me there is no God. So we learn a truth about God, that he is the first, he is the last. In other scriptures, he says, I am the Alpha, I am the Omega, the beginning and the end. And so I have shared with them that come to my house, and I have said, so who is speaking here? For example, if it happens to be someone who is a Jehovah's Witness, um, I'll say Jehovah God here is speaking, and he's saying he is the first and he is the last. And they agree. Yes, that's true. Okay. Now turn to Revelation chapter 1. Here in Revelation chapter 1, the disciple John is writing this letter. And in chapter 1, we see... In verse 8, we're going to look at some different scriptures. It says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, and the beginning and the end. And then I'll ask the person, so who is speaking here? 
the beginning, the Alpha and the Omega, and they'll say this is Jehovah God. Okay, go up to verse 11, chapter 1. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. Who's speaking here? Jehovah God. Now go down to verse 17 of chapter 1. And John says, And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, Do not be afraid. I am the first and I am the last. So again, I say, who's speaking here? This is Jehovah God. I am the first and the last. Okay. And then I say, and I ask him, you know, continue to read. And then this one young guy says, he read, he says, I am he who lives and was dead. So I stop. So when did God die? When did Jehovah God die? The first and the last. And if the Lord is going to do a work in, in, this, in these people who are good people, but they have been deceived. This young man I was speaking to paused for a long time and said, God didn't die. I said, so who died? He said, Jesus died. I said, Jesus died right on the cross. Jesus here is claiming to be the first and the last. Jesus is claiming to be the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Jesus is God. And, yeah, amen to that, right? <laughs> you know, I work with young people, and sometimes we just use simple examples, right? I think if, you know, the finger is three parts, this one, two, and three, right? But yet it's one finger. You've heard the example of water. Water can be a liquid, it can be a vapor, it can be... Um, uh, ice could be a solid doesn't change its chemical makeup it's still two parts hydrogen one oxygen never changes its chemical makeup it's still the same substance in three different forms if water the most basic element on the earth can do that why cannot God do that we serve an amazing God the Trinity is a mystery we don't fully understand it but it isn't my intention today to convince you to understand the Trinity is to convince you that it's what the Bible teaches God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. It's consistent with Scripture. And that's why it's important that we have our Bibles and we read our Bibles. I, I was able to meet a man who grew up in Russia. And he, at the time, was working for Azusa Pacific. And he shared a little bit of his testimony. He was saying that his dad got, became a Christian. This was way back in the 1950s. And it was against the law. To be a Christian, it was against the law to have a Bible. It was against the law to have Bible studies. And his dad began to lead a Bible study, an underground Bible study in Russia, and was able to get a hold of a Bible in, uh, uh, in Russian, which was very difficult to do. And they began to memorize the scriptures and pass the Bible around. So he began to grow up. He began to um, help the youth, kind of like become like a youth pastor for his dad. And... But his, his, he said, but dad, I don't have a Bible. And his dad said, well, you, you need to pray for one. I don't have any to give you. You need to pray. And he said, I began to pray and ask the Lord for a Bible. I began to pray and began to wait. And he goes, and one day they smuggled in a Bible in Russian and I got it and I rejoiced. I began to read it, began to meditate on it until he said the KJB somehow found out what was happening. They came in and raided and they took all the Bibles and he took his dad to prison. Imagine going to prison. You know, there's a lot of reasons you can go to prison. 
imagine going to prison because you're reading, you have a Bible and you're having Bible studies. And so his dad went to prison for years, got out. He said, when my dad got out, he was, he was kind of different. He still loved the Lord, but he was afraid to teach. He did not want to teach. He did not want to go back to the Russian prison. So he stopped teaching. He said, but some time went by. It was Easter Sunday. He says, my dad couldn't take it anymore. And he went to an underground church and he got up and he preached the gospel. Somehow they found out and they arrested him and they said, we're going to give you one minute. We're going to give you one year in prison for every minute that you spoke. And we understand you spoke for 15 minutes. They gave him 15 years in prison. And so this man, his son, who I spoke with, said the Bible comes to life for him. You know, we have it. Many of us have many Bibles. And so that's why we study the scriptures. That's why we know these doctrines. So the question was, by what power was Jesus raised from the dead? Well, in Acts chapter 2, God raised Jesus from the dead. In John chapter 2, Jesus said, I raise myself. And in Romans chapter 8, the Holy Spirit raised Jesus from the dead, the Trinity. We looked at who was the first and the last. In Isaiah 44, 6, God says, I am the first and the last. But in Revelation chapter 1, verse 17, Jesus said, I died, I am the first and the last. Beautiful consistency through the scriptures. Now, let's look at another question. How are we saved? Isaiah chapter 43, please turn there. Isaiah 43, look at verse 11. It's a simple verse. God says, I, even I, am the Lord, and, there, and besides me there is no Savior. I, even I, am the Lord, and besides me there is no Savior. So this is a truth about God that only he saves. He's the only Savior, and beside him there is no Savior. So Jehovah Witnesses, Latter-day Saints, I'm sure there's others. We just talk about them mainly because they're, they're well-known. They come to our houses. Their belief on this is that God is the only Savior, that Jesus is either an angel or he was created by God or a small God. But yet Jesus says here, uh, God says here, he's the only Savior. Okay? We get these truths from the Old Testament. Let's look at what the Bible says about Jesus. Acts chapter 4, verse 12. Acts chapter 4, verse 12. Referring to Jesus, it says, Now, nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So here in Acts 4.12, we learn that only through the name of Jesus are we saved. In John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And no man can get to the Father unless he comes through me. 
Now, that's a radical statement because people say there's many ways to get to God. There are many religions, many beliefs, right? You've heard that expression, we're all going to get there, just take different ways of getting there. But Jesus says, that's not true. You cannot get to my Father in heaven unless you come through me. Now, you can respect that, right? When someone takes a stand for a position they believe in, you may not agree with it, but you have to at least respect someone taking a stand for what you believe in. And Jesus took a stand right there. He drew a line in the sand, and there became two people on the earth, those who follow Christ and those who don't. Christianity is the only teaching where we're saved by faith, through grace. Any other religion or teaching, you're saved by works. You have to do these things to get to heaven. But yet Jesus said, when he died on the cross, he said, it is finished. The work has been accomplished. The work has been done. It's simply by faith. The thief on the cross right next to Jesus. Imagine you're a criminal your whole life. You've done bad things. And now you deserve what you're getting. You got the death penalty. And you're right there next to Jesus. And that man had a simple amount of faith to turn to Jesus and say, will you remember me? Will you remember me when you're in paradise? He didn't say, save me. He just said, will you remember me? And by simply stating that, he's acknowledging that Jesus is a king with a kingdom, that Jesus has power and authority, and that Jesus is going on into eternity. He acknowledged all that in that simple statement. And what did Jesus say? Today I tell you, you will be with me in paradise. That was enough faith to get him saved before he died. Do you have that simple faith in Christ? Can you confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? If you're not a Christian today, I would encourage you to consider these things. The days that we're living in, you guys know, we don't know what's going to happen next. I do some work with the local police department as a chaplain. And unfortunately, most of the times I get called, there are emergencies. And I was called last week um, to a young man who committed suicide. He was 20 years old. And what is sad about this, and also what is, well, what is sad about this is that uh, he was raised in a Christian home. He was a straight-A student. He's really good in sports. He was a valedictorian at a school, went to a Christian school. Um, was a freshman in college, had a scholarship. And some months ago, his parents were saying that he um, was having a lot of, he was having problems. And somehow he was able to articulate that, Mom, Dad, something's wrong with me. He was on a missions trip, a three-week missions trip. And after a week, he came home. And he was able to articulate, something's going wrong with me. And he began to get depressed. So his parents were taking time off of work to be with him for about a month. And they were taking turns. Well, I guess um, on the day the parents decided to go back to work um, is the day that he committed suicide um, about a week ago. And what do you, so I get the phone call to come. I've never met these people. And I walk in the house and um, they directed me toward the, the dad. The mom wasn't home yet and she didn't even know yet. She was coming home from work. And I just, I put my hand on his, what do you say, right? I'm, I'm the whole way I'm praying. I'm texting my family, please pray for me. Please pray for the family. And I walk in, and he's at his, his, um, in his office and his desk, and he just has his hand, his head in his hands, and 
He's not looking up, and they direct me over to him, and I just, I just put my hand on his shoulder, and I said, I'm, I'm Pastor Steve. I'm very sorry. Um, I'm here for you if you need anything. And I just pulled up a chair in, in the room and just sat there. Didn't say anything, like 20 minutes. I'm just praying. And he got up to use the restroom about 20 minutes. He didn't say anything, and then he, just, he tapped me on my shoulder and said, I'm glad you're here. And he went and sat down and put his face back in his hands for about another 20 minutes. And then he got up and he tapped me on the shoulder. Thank you for coming. And he went and did his... There was a lot going on that night. And the police officers were there. And, um, and so the, the glimmer of hope that we have, and the one thing I shared with them before I left that night, was that um, he was a young man that was raised in the church. He was raised... Um, with a faith in the Lord, and his his uncle told me he had he he was a Christian. Um, that God has grace and mercy. I heard Pastor Chuck Smith say that when people go through that and they experience, they get to that point that they're not in their right mind. They're not in their right state of mind. He was young. And so I was able to share with him that I believe because of the things you've told me that he, he's in heaven and that you'll see him again. There was an uncle there that um, loved the Lord, was a strong Christian, and um, he was ministering to the family in an amazing way. And so these things that we believe in, these scriptures that we hold to, they're for a purpose, to give us strength in life, to prepare us for heaven to be examples to our children. We don't know what tomorrow holds. And so we hold on to the one who knows. And we hold on to his word. These scriptures that we looked at and are looking at, and we have one more scripture to look at, um, they're what strengthen our faith in times like that and for that family. And so as we finish here, I want to finish with two more scriptures. And then we're going to pray. And uh, as we pray, if, if you're not a Christian today, I want to ask you if you'll receive Christ today. If you'll invite him. He's reached out to you since the day you were born. And every now and then he reaches out and he speaks to you through the Holy Spirit. And it's up to you to respond to his love and his grace and his mercy. And so before that, let's look at our last scripture. Let's look at John chapter 3. In verse 5. In John chapter 3, the question that we've been answering this last one is, how are we saved? In Isaiah 43, 11, God tells us he is the only Savior. In Acts 4, 12, Jesus said there's no other name under heaven by which man can be saved but, but Jesus Christ. But let's look at John chapter 3, verse 5. Jesus is speaking, and he says, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit. Now, the water is a physical birth. But you must be born of water and the Spirit. He cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. So how are we saved? By the Holy Spirit. You cannot save, any, you cannot save anyone. I cannot save anyone. Only the Holy Spirit of God that stirs in someone's heart can save. And so we see here, 
Up in verse 3 also, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So how are we saved? Through God, through Jesus, through the Holy Spirit. And that makes sense. The Trinity of God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. As we know God, and as we learn more about him, we discuss this thing of more, we will serve him more, we'll love him more, read his word more, we'll pray more. There's a brother here at church I was talking to a couple weeks ago, and he tells me he likes to go on walks and, and pray. And, uh, you know, I pray, but I don't, I don't walk and pray at the same time. I found out I can do, I can do both at the same time. And so I've been doing that lately. I've been walking and praying. I made the mistake the first time I went out, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk my dog also. And uh, I have a big dog at home, like kind of like an Australian shepherd, German shepherd, and that was a mistake. So I, had a, I walked him and then brought him home, and then I went on another walk. And, uh, and that was neat to be able to do that, right? To do things in our life that strengthen our faith. And so that's why we looked at these scriptures. That's why we looked at the question of, by what power was Jesus raised from the dead? Who was the first? Who was the last? How are we saved? And so the story that I wanted to share to finish here is, um, I had years ago, there was a lady who came to to work for us for a while through a, a temporary agency. And she was older, and she was going through a lot of problems. At some point, she found out I was a Christian. And during a break, she said, Steve, um, I know you're a Christian. She goes, I want to change my life. I don't, I'm not happy with my life. And the decisions I've made with my, my family, I've gone through divorce. I'm living with my boyfriend, um, his kids, my kids. Um, I'm just not happy. And so for whatever reason, I felt like the Lord wasn't telling me just to share the Bible with her. I said, okay. Um, I said, well, look, I, I'm not in a position really to tell you how you should live your life. And she goes, no, no, it's okay. You need to tell me. And I said, okay. If you put it that way. <laughs> I said, where do you live? She says, I live in Montebello. I said, okay. So I looked it up. Look, this is Calvary Chapel Montebello. Go to church this Sunday, and I believe God will answer you. So, okay, that was cool. So a week goes by, Monday rolls around, she comes in, she goes, Steve, you won't believe what I did. I said, what'd you do? She goes, I went to church. I went to that place you said. It was amazing. She said, the words the pastor said were beautiful. I've never heard those words. I, I was, God was speaking to me. And when he gave the, the call at the end to receive Christ and to change my life, and she goes, I grabbed my boyfriend's hand, I go, come on, let's go. And he goes, I'm not going up there. <laughs> and she says, I said, looked at him, I go, well, forget you then. And she went up and she says, I, I got saved. I said the prayer, they gave me a Bible. She goes, I can't believe it. And then she goes, um, what do I do now? <laughs> and I said, look, um, same thing. I was just hesitant. I go, look, I don't want to tell you how to, you know. She goes, no, 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 tell me. I said, okay, you asked. I said, well, you said you're living with your boyfriend? I go, you asked. I go, in the Bible, God doesn't want to take things away from you. He wants to give life to you. He wants to bless you. But he wants you to do it in a way that is honoring to him. And living a holy life unto God is, a, is an honorable thing. She goes, okay. So a week goes by, Monday rolls around. She goes, Steve, guess what? <laughs> I said, what? She goes, I kicked my boyfriend out. <laughs> Yeah. 
And I said, uh, I go, okay, wait, wait, wait. I go, did you tell him that I, told, that I said for him? <laughs> I go, do I need to be worried here? You know, watch my back. And uh, she goes, no, no, no. I want to do things God's way. I don't want to do this anymore. I want to do things the right way. And it was so amazing to see this woman so excited. She didn't even really know the Trinity. She didn't really know that God, that she was, a, that she was serving now. But she knew she had life. She knew that Jesus offered eternal life. And she had a peace that she never had before. And months went by, and she kept going. And she came back and said, my, I took my mom. My mom got saved. And it was just an amazing journey. And that's the journey that God has for all of us. The right time and the right place to either give your life to the Lord or to want more if you have the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we're so thankful and grateful, Lord, for your word and for the truths that are in your word. And Lord, I just pray for anyone here, if, if they're not a Christian, if they've been putting it off, that they would not get caught up or tied up in religion or in the church, but that Jesus, you died for them on a cross 2,000 years ago. You shed your blood for them because you love them. The Bible tells us that God demonstrated his love toward you in that while you were a sinner, that Christ died for you. We just don't want anyone to leave here without Jesus. And if that's you, if you want to receive Christ, it's very simple. You have to confess that you're a sinner and that you need a Savior. And he's willing to meet you here today to forgive you of all your sins, to wash you and cleanse you by his blood and to give you peace. If that's what you want, I'm going to ask you just to simply raise your hand, and we're going to say a prayer, and you're going to receive Christ in your heart as your Lord and your Savior. Anybody here today? Okay, I see you on the left there. Anybody else? This is the most important part of the service. If you're a Christian, you can be praying. Anyone else before I pray? Just raise your hand. Lord, for that person who raised your hand, what a beautiful day it is for them today. In front of all these people, they're willing to confess you, Lord to admit that they're a sinner and that they need you, Lord. This is the day of salvation today. And so for you, raise your hand. Just pray a prayer with me. Say, dear God, please forgive me for all my sins. I confess that I have sinned against you. Wash me, cleanse me by your blood. Give me your son, Jesus, and the power of your Holy Spirit. Make me a new person. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you guys.